Hi, I'm Cameron Stocks from Gatehouse Chambers, and welcome to the latest in our interview series for LGBTQIA Plus Month 2022. During this month, we are interviewing people working in the legal profession who identify as LGBTQIA Plus. Today, I am joined by Dr. Shelvin from 33 Bedford Raw Chambers. Shelvin is an internationally recognized expert on refugee and human rights with a particular emphasis on LGBTQ plus rights, immigration and refugee law, recently recognized as an LGBT plus trailblazer by Attitude magazine for his work in this area. Shelvin is head of immigration and public law at 33 Bedford Raw and was also recently awarded a PhD from King's College in 2019 for a thesis entitled At the End of the Rainbow, Where Next for the Queer Refugee? Alongside me and a group of other barristers and staff, Shelvin is also one of the founding members of Free Bar, an LGBT plus network at the bar for people working with and as barristers. Firstly, thank you for joining me tonight, Shelvin. I want to say how happy I am that we have been able to hear experiences from across the bar at different sets of chambers. Well, good evening, Cam, and uh, happy LGBT plus history month. Thank, thank you for you. inviting me. And to you as well. Um, we have a number of questions that we'd like to hear your answers to. I'm very eager to hear. Um, so the first question, there is a lot of talk about identity these days, and many of us feel there are many facets to our identity. Who would you say you are? I am children. I think that's my, my first response, because this is who I, I am. Um, that is my name. This is my identity. But then let's put it on. Let's peel the, the layers of the onion. Uh, I'm also a human. And that is my ground base. That I treat everyone else as the way I want to treat. You know, that's a whole Justinian concept of what the law is. Uh, but if you were asking about my intersectional profile, um, and intersectionality is a term coined by Professor Kimberly Crenshaw in 1989, when she looked at the issues of race, class and gender. I self-identify as queer, person of colour, first generation immigrant, living with a disability, um, in relation to my various social, um, political identities. The reason for that, of course, is that we don't have an equal world. Uh, and for me, my difference is what provides me the focus to celebrate my identities, but it also provides a focus in relation to my role as an activist lawyer who came into the profession to empower myself as a gay man. This was the 1990s where there was an unequal age of consent, there was bans on openly uh, gay and lesbian people serving in the armed forces, no real anti, no anti-discrimination laws. So for me, the law was about empowering myself. So, you know, I, I go back to those identities to provide me the strength and focus uh, in my role as a barrister. Interesting. So in terms of those facets of your identity and identifying as a gay man, uh, how do you feel that those facets of your identity add to the professional that you are, um, if at all? I say if at all, but um, so you've already indicated that they do add to um, uh, your position as an advocate. Well, uh, you know, for, for me, going into the bar work in this area was was not an, uh, an altruistic act. It was for me a very selfish um, act to be empower myself as a human being. But for the past 22 years now, 23 years at the bar, I can't believe how time's flown. 
Um, I specialize, um, as your kind introduction uh, recorded and highlighted, that I specialize representing queer refugees, those who are different. And for me, you know, I even had a client only yesterday afternoon saying that, you know, telling me, you know, I, I've, I've only been working with him or representing him for a few weeks. And he said, you get it. You understand who I am. Um, and that's because I have a lived experience. That does not mean that all advocates have to have lived experiences to be able to represent the marginalised and the vulnerable. For me, but as I said um, in my pupillage applications uh, in 98, uh, 99, you know, as a black gay man with hearing difficulty, I understand what the issues of, of civil liberties are. And for me, my USP was always to be the mouthpiece of those who know the words but have no voice. And what my role is, is to be a storyteller, to tell the stories of my clients, but also to be the interpreter, to interpret those words into the foreign language of the law. So my, my bridging nexus is that ability to be able to connect with my clients. So therefore, the translation happens at that second stage where I translate their stories into the law, not at the first stage where I'm having to translate their stories into stories because I have that connection. So for me, it goes to the very core of both my professional life, which is not only, you know, my three favourite words are litigation, litigation, litigation. <laughs> um, I believe the separation of powers are central to why the United Kingdom works. You know, we live in a time where we can no longer trust the executive and parliament to be able to protect the minorities from the tyranny of the majority. And that's why our independent judges are so vital to protect rights. So, um, you know, going back to what you were saying so my identity my identities reflect my passion and drive um, for the areas of law which i practice in both in a litigation capacity in a policy role and also in an academic role sort of a symbiotic relationship bring those threads together to be an advocate it's really interesting and clearly the times you live in make the role of the advocate even more important for those who are without a voice to be heard. And that is, uh, absolutely. I mean, Parliament makes laws, um, but judges are there to interpret. I mean, I, I was um, in the House of Laws only last week in the Strangers Gallery, invited by a peer to watch um, the committee stage of the Nationality and Borders Bill. And it absolutely shook me to the core how little parliamentarians and that's not just on the government side when other parties did not understand the law and they're making the law they're legislating and i'll be in parliament on the 23rd of february giving evidence to the women's equalities um subcommittee uh, about uh, asylum law and lgbt plus um, issues in relation to how the home office determines claims and you know it's really strengthened the drive of what i do it's reinforced why I work in this field, um, and I'm proud to be a, primarily a legal aid lawyer who, you know, who's there to ensure that, you know, 
I'm there to represent, notwithstanding whether my client can afford my fees. I'm there to ensure that I'm at the coalface from the first year tribunal to the European Court of Human Rights. For me, it's about representing my client uh, and ensure that the rule of law and you know, politicians very rarely understand what that means. The rule of law is, you know, fully enforced and fully and and free. Absolutely. It's a phrase, a phrase that's thrown around a lot, but whether people actually appreciate the true meaning of the rule of law is a different question. Well, that's why the checks and balances are so important. That's why we're lawyers. You know, if we didn't believe in separation of powers, if we didn't believe in checks and balances, why would we be lawyers? And we're all activist lawyers. Um, you know, I, I remember giving evidence to the um, legal aid, uh, all party parliamentary group on, on legal aid la, um, last year. And I said, you're all activists. Because you're parliamentarians. If you were happy with the law, you wouldn't be parliamentarians and changing the law. Um, so for me, I, I'm that brand of barrister who's not there to apply the law, but to develop the law in a way to be able to empower my clients. Um, so in the theme of LGBTQ History Month, are there any historic um, LGBTQI plus people that inspire you? Well, I, I thought this was a re really interesting question because it really involved a lot of soul searching about how I identify in relation to role models. And you know, my starting point has got to be Marsha P. Johnson, um, the trans um, black activist who sparked off the Stonewall riots, who some sections of our community try to erase from history in relation to her role. Um, and you know, th and her, her story in relation to her activism is is something which really sort of I'm in awe of. Um, and then I go to Harvey Milk. My husband and I were actually watching the, the Milk DVD last night for and He sort of said, you know, you've watched it so many times. But it really, you know, uh, I remember when I collected my attitude award, I said, you know, my name's Chelvin, I'm here to recruit you. Because, you know, that's what it's about, getting people to uh, come along and, you know, come in relation to the, sort of come together in relation to driving change. And then another one of my heroes, and that, you know, when you say historical heroes, I also wanted to talk about people who are alive today. Um, and as a person of colour from South Asia, you know, I was born in Sri Lanka, first generation immigrant, um, actually a very good friend of mine, Menika Guruswami. And Menika and I were at Harvard together 20 years ago, having lots of heated arguments about human rights and LGBT rights. And then she was one of the five advocates in the Supreme Court of India who, well, her contribution was basically the core of the reasoning of the judgments of the Supreme Court of India, um, talking about, you know, which led to the decriminalization in the case of Johar on the 6th of September 2018. And for me, she's one of my heroes. And, you know, an out lesbian um, activist, lawyer, academic, um, she comments, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of hers on, on social media as well. So I would say that one of my friends is also one of my heroes, because as I say, whenever I give any workshops to university students or those coming into the profession, you know, every single person has the potential to make an immense impact um, uh, and, and enable positive change. So from Marsha P. Johnson to Harvey Milk to Menika Goswami. Well, they're inspired choices, and I'm particularly happy to hear about your friend. Um, Clearly, somebody else to follow on social media when I'm going through on Twitter. If she's on Twitter, she is. She definitely is on Twitter. I'll, I'll, sit, I'll DM you the uh, her Twitter handle afterwards. Brilliant, thank you.
So, Shelvin, what does LGBTQIA plus History Month mean to you? It's, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because we have LGBTQIA um, History Month in February, we have Black History Month in October. Um, and I very much believe that it focuses the mind to create that safe space. When I came out to myself as somebody who knew I was different, I was 14 years old in 1989. I went to a Roman Catholic school in, in Worthing in Sussex, and I very much bonded with my English teacher. And she was the one who introduced me to the works of people like Alice Walker and James Baldwin, who also had an intersectional basis in relation to race and sexual identity. But I knew also that there was something which I couldn't speak to her about, about who I was. And I knew that she may get into trouble if she spoke to me about it. And the reason 1989 is important because that's when Section 28. Yep. So for me, it was a forced silence and invisibility by the state, by society, which did and clearly would have affected generations of queer people, LGBT plus people. So the reason why having History Month is so important, and we had South Asian History Month in January, and, and you know, as I said, various identities, is that it allows us to create the space to ensure that everyone feels safe and seen and visible. We know that there's been a huge rise in hate crime towards LGBT plus people in the UK. Um, we read that every week, if not every couple of days or so on social media. Even in Near Heaven nightclub, only two days ago, a young man uh, was assaulted in the, in the early hours. So we need to not push back, but create those safe zones where we can come together and talk about the issues. I live here in King's Cross. The first queer history museum is opening up round the corner, less than five minutes from where I live. So it's about visibility, because the greatest threat to discrimination and to hate is visibility. And that's why LGBT plus history months are so important. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's so important that Within wilder culture, we are normalised. If I can, if I can use, I don't you never use it um, till I'm normal. <laughs> I never, I never want to be normal. There's nothing wrong with not being normal. But I just think back to being different. Yeah. Even when I was, when I was um, growing up in the late uh, '90s in um, in the northeast, that at school there were so few examples, so few, even post section uh, 28 where. Um, LGBT people were referred to and I think what a difference it would have made to my childhood had I seen somebody who identified as I thought I did then um, or read about somebody uh, in a book um, and we see now how normal it was for I remember my nephews when I came out to my family how so blasé about it they were because they had friends at school who didn't identify as heterosexual um, who identified as, well, various people on the various ends of the spectrum. And they see people on TV, they've seen same-sex couples on Strictly, they have all of their shows now, the children's shows tend to have um, people from different nationalities and, and races, and just, there's so much more represented. We have so much more to do, but it is so much better than it was 
Well, um, well uh, uh, another point is that not all people have the same lived experience and joyous family acceptance that you did. I mean, absolutely. when I came out to my family 21, 22 years ago, God, it's no 1996 or 26 years ago. Um, no, I was kicked out of home. Um, but luckily, my friends at university, I was at Southampton, my lecturers, you know, Armistead Morpin talks about you have your biological family and then you have your logical family. And that's what LGBT History Month also gives you. It gives you that strength that there are people out there who are there to support you. You know, we know um, we have the Albert Kennedy Trust. We know the high levels of homelessness. We have Micro Rainbow, which is an organization for LGBTQ um, people seeking asylum. We've got African Rainbow. So we know that there are a high proportion within vulnerable, uh, vulnerable populations already who are LGBTQ plus who are at risk. Um, so that's why it, it's, it's so important to have those safe spaces. Um, to be able to ensure that people can be their true selves. So much more work to do. Um, Sheldon, this year is the 50th year of Pride, and the theme this year is The Ark is Long, which comes from the Martin Luther King quote, the Ark of the Moral Universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Um, I think that I know the answer to this question. Does that <laughs> resonate with you? Oh, I, I, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think as I uh, said at the beginning, you know, I'm a storyteller. And, uh, you know, it's sort of in my academic work when I do my thesis, it's all about narrative arts and descriptive arts. Uh, you know, it's about getting to that end point. Um, and gosh, my goodness, I even quoted Justinian at the beginning regarding treating, I can't believe it. Uh, that's the memory bank for you. Um, yes, because, you know, what is justice? As Justinian, you know, what is law? It's a, to treat, you know, everyone else as you'd wish to be treated. Um, I'm, I'm not going to quote the Latin because I never le learned Latin at school. Going to the nor did I. So I went to yeah, absolutely. Um, but but the point being here is that you know today in February 2022, we're looking at Ukraine and what's happening with Russia. We're looking at how politicians are being quoted in Parliament as not knowing when to tell, um, what well, when to not be perceived to mislead. I think that's the way we have to put it. I mean, what's happened to the way we treat each other? You know, what, what, where have we lost that compass? Even within, you know, as a gay man, as a queer man, I'm part of the LGBT plus community. Yeah. Uh, so for me, there, you know, I, I am a very proud trans ally, but I'm also a pro-feminist. You know, as a man, I cannot be a feminist. I can be a pro-feminist. I learned that in my first year political theory <laughs> uh, courses at, at Southampton. Um, but I'm also somebody who believes intensely in equality and the, you know, uh, it's, it's something which, I, you know, I, I know we've just discussed before, Cam, but, you know, my husband and I have been together for over 20 years. Um, I am in a position where I know I love and I am loved. So for me, the ability for another human being to live their lives freely and openly without harm is a basic norm. And so therefore, you know, we should not divide our communities um, due to the um, actions or omissions of a tiny minority of people who will not allow 
an important section of our society, Marsha P. Johnson started the Stonewall Riots. Uh, and we're talking about, you know, the global north here. So, you know, we should remember our history because history is all about looking to the future by learning from the mistakes in the past. So for me, um, justice is the starting point, our current journey and our end point. Well, that is a perfect point on which to finish um, our podcast this evening, Shelvin. So thank you again um, for joining me this evening and sharing your fascinating insight into your experiences um, at the bar. And thank you everyone listening to this recording. And you can check out our other interviews for LGBTQI plus History Month on our website uh, or on social media on our Twitter page. Uh, thank you everyone. Chambers is a barrister's chambers which specialises in legal advice and advocacy in the areas of clinical negligence and personal injury, commercial dispute resolution, construction, insolvency, insurance, private client, professional liability and property. This recording is provided free of charge for information purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. No responsibility for the accuracy and or correctness of the information and commentary or for any consequences of relying on it is assumed or accepted by any member of Gatehouse Chambers or by Gatehouse Chambers as a whole.